0: Had I Known? And this has been a sermon series based on hard lessons in life and the wisdom that the Bible can offer us and the light that the Bible can shed for us as we encounter these difficult circumstances. And so Pastor Gary has invited me this morning to read from the letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. This is known as the Christ hymn. Christ him. So it may be familiar to some of you. It may be new to some of you. Pastor Gary has invited me to read from the English Standard Version. So that might be a little bit different than the the Bible that you carry. Certainly different than the Bible that we offer here at the church. So you're welcome to follow along in your Bibles or on the screen. Just make note of some of the word changes because I think Pastor Gary is going to lift some of those up for us this morning. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, hear now the word of God. The Apostle Paul says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God to be a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.
1: Thank you, Amy. Would you bow your heads as we pray? Eternal God, as we stand in your presence today, as we often struggle with aloneness or emptiness come and fill this place come and fill us with your holy spirit come and touch each and every one of our hearts walk with us eternal god we give you thanks in jesus name we pray amen So this morning, I wanted to talk a little bit about emptiness. Emptiness. When I was younger, I sought many things to fill the inside of my spirit. I sought all kinds of things. I sought work. I could just work enough If I could work long enough, if I could work enough hours. And at 20-something years of age, 60 or 70 hours a week, we tried to figure out how could we work 80 hours a week? How could we have four jobs instead of three? And then I filled my life with alcohol. I never did drugs, but I did lots of alcohol. Always trying to figure out how can I fill this emptiness that existed in my life at the time? I tried to identify with something, a philosophy. I wanted to look a certain way and have certain things. I just knew that was the answer to all of life's problems. But ultimately, the same emptiness would come back. And so I thought I'd share a little bit this morning with you. Maybe there are times when you felt alone or you felt empty or maybe even the dark night of the soul. Maybe there's been that time. When you felt that way Because I was always looking for something real I don't want anything fake We have lots of fake things around us In this culture And we live in a place where there's a lot of emptiness But this right here Communicating one to one Person to person Is powerful I think it helps fill that void of emptiness That we can often struggle with Maybe it does for you I don't know, but it does for me Because there are these relationships that we can build between each other that the world can't take away. That there are people sitting in this room who love you very much and who want the very best for you and are here to encourage you and challenge you and lift you up. And God has placed them here to help fill some of that emptiness that maybe you've experienced from time to time. I just believe that if I made enough money and if I had enough education, that would fix everything. That would, that would take care of everything and all the problems that I would ever have. Because, you see, I bought into the lie that if I just had a little bit more. But the problem was, is once you got a little bit more, then it was, I just need a little bit more, and I need a little bit more. Psychology today says individuals have become more cynical, more depressed, and in turn, stifled from taking steps to do much of anything let alone succeed or better yet, fail. Success and failure requires action, drive, and a desire to achieve something. It's hard to do anything at all in a state of meaninglessness. What narrative do we give to all the people who are faced with the ever-widening landscape, not of failure or success, but of emptiness? You, You see, people in the Bible had emptiness. Elijah, while running from Jezebel, when she said, I just want to kill him. No matter what it takes, no matter how big the army, I want to kill Elijah. In this arid land that depended upon rain to water their crops, Elijah responded by saying, I might as well just be dead. She's trying to kill me anyways. I might as well just be dead. And then in Numbers chapter 11, the Israelites had wandered into the desert And they had just seen fire from heaven from God, and he was feeding them with quail. But they were complaining. No one was happy. And Moses was frustrated, and he said, if this is the way it's going to be, you might as well kill me at once and be done with it. And then last week we, we heard, as Amy shared, the story of Jonah and as he ran from God. And Jonah saying, I might as well... I'd be better off dead. Today, we hear from Paul writing to the Philippians who could sense their loneliness and their emptiness. Have you ever known someone who was empty, who was lonely, who just needed someone to speak to or someone to listen to them? Because you see, we can appear very full on the outside, but still be very empty. Where? On the inside. We can appear very full and perfect on the outside, but have all of this emptiness on the inside. So, what makes it what makes it even worse? Well, it's the stuff that we put in our lives. I was reading an article. It came from becomingminimalist.com. Tasha would have loved this. <laughs> and Turner would have eaten. So there were eight interesting things. Did you know? that Apple has more money than the U.S. Treasury. Think about that for a second. We should borrow money from them. Secondly, Montana has more cows than people, three to one. So where are we going to go eat hamburgers at, right? (laughs) Americans consume 100 acres of pizza every day, 100 acres. This church sits on like two and a half acres. Think about that. But it gets better. 22 million chickens are consumed every day in America. I don't know how many people had chicken this week. Yeah. 22 million chickens. The average home, get this, the average if you're just average, you have 300,000 things inside the four walls of your house. No, I don't have that many until you start counting. There's probably a couple of thousand in some of our kids' bedrooms. Right? How about this one? Our, own, our children own 40% of all the toys in the world, but we only have 3% of all the children in the world. Ah, oh, what are you going to buy them for Christmas this year? This is the one I love. Most Americans have more TVs in their house than people that live in their house. Right? Yeah. But we spend 153 days in our life looking for all the stuff we have, because get lo- it's lost. <laughs> Tim McCarthy, a very wealthy businessman, sold his company for 45 million dollars, and he took eight million of that, and he gave it and paid his taxes. He took another eight million and gave it to the employees that, that were laid off when he closed the company. And, he, and then he said, I want to take all the employees, like 100 employees, and I'm going to take them out and eat. I'm going to take them, I'm going to give them new clothes, all of these things that he could do for them when he closed his company. He said, but for some reason, they were still disappointed, even though he would given them money and clothes and took them out to eat. And he said, I figured it out. It was a word he used called Anhedonia. The inability to experience pleasure from activities that you usually find enjoyable. Now retired, living in his hometown of Ashtabula, Ohio, with more money than he really needs, he decided to write a book. And the book is titled Exploring Empty Abundance. He said, Because we have so much stuff, but then we are still empty on the inside. And to make it even worse, we as Americans have this thing called appetite. Not, no, not so much appetite for food, though we do have that. But we have this appetite. It's the more we have things, the more we want things. If I have this, then I want this. And it just never ends. But you see, that's the lie that the marketeers, I hope nobody has a degree in marketing, somebody may. But it's this idea that we just need to create this and you just need to have more and more and more and more. And to make it worse, if you have just a little bit of money, there's a game that you play. It's called more, better, and different. If you have enough money and you buy something, you go, well, I could just buy a little more of that. For example, if you go to the store and Dr. Pepper is on sale for so much a case, and you think, well, I really like Dr. Pepper. I'll go ahead and get 10 cases. And so we stack them up in our garage. Then you discover there's something that's even better than Dr. Pepper. And so you buy some of that and you buy 10 cases. But then if you have lots of money, you discover how can I buy something that nobody else has? Especially if it was a Dr. Pepper can signed by the guy that invented the Dr. Pepper formula from Dublin, Texas. You see what I'm saying? More, better, and different. We want to have more. Then we want to have something even better. And then we would like to have the one-of-a-kind thing more better and different. It leads to this empty abundance because we have so much stuff. We can appear to be full on the outside when reality is we're what on the inside? Empty on the inside. But we also have my, I had a chance to work with my brother some and uh, we, one time we were going to work at a on a house and and I was trying to convince my brother to help me and he said these words he said what's in it for me what's in it for me and I said well I'll pay you 20 dollars to help me he said no that's not enough so I raised the stakes to 40 and then I raised it to 60 and he said I found out that so-and-so's paying his buddy to help him and so I said okay I'll go 80 that's tops But I made 400 and I paid him 80. I thought I was doing pretty good. But he always asked that question, what's in it for me? And as the culture that we live in, that's often the litmus test that we have. What's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? Why am I not getting something? And Paul faced the same kind of attitude in Philippi. Same kind of attitude. Despite our emptiness, we need hope because there is one who fills our emptiness the hope is is that jesus christ is the one who feels our emptiness he did not consider himself equal with god or as a thing to be grasped he understood the feeling of loneliness he was both human and divine it's called the dualistic nature of christ being both human and divine at the same time As Paul writes to the church in Philippi, he realized there he understood his emptiness. They needed a God who was both human and divine. Paul's letter confirmed that he experienced suffering. And he said Christ emptied himself and became a slave or he became a servant. In fact, he chose to be full of emptiness so he could be fully human and fully divine. He possessed all the attributes to be fully human And we can identify with him because he was fully human as we are. But he was also fully God at the same time. Philippians also says he humbled himself. He he humbled himself. He didn't have to, but because of his incredible love for his people and for you, he humbled himself. And we use the term grace to define what it means that he humbled himself even to death on a cross that you might have life. And Philippians ends by saying God exalted him. In his emptying, he was exalted. One who was fully human, who understood us, could now take his place at the throne of God. It's known as Kenotic Christiology. Paul means that when Jesus became man, it was no play acting, but it was reality. He was not like the Greek gods, who sometimes, as the stories go, became man, but kept all of their privileges of being a god. No, no, he wasn't. There's something more. He was made in the likeness of mankind. He became like us and modeled for us a way full of emptiness so that we too could have room to live fully into our humanity with God's grace. So what do we do if we struggle because we have so much stuff? and we still feel as though we are empty, that we've put so many things. How do we approach this place in our lives? How can we be filled in our times of emptiness, in our deepest, darkest places? Who is the one who can fill us when we face difficulty? But it's Jesus Christ. He emptied himself so that we might be filled. And then what are we supposed to do once we are filled? Empty ourselves into other people. It's a cycle where Christ empties himself into us and then we empty ourselves into others. So how do you do that? What does that look like? Matthew 16, 16, 5 says we die to ourselves in order to empty ourselves. We become humbled and serve others. Secondly, find a big mission. Where is a place where you can serve that is bigger than yourself, that is outside of yourself, that stretches you to be more than you ever imagined you could be? Where is a place where God can use you to change the world? Oh, I think I know a place. It's usually called the church. Aldersgate touches so many people's lives. This place would be sorely missed if it didn't exist. Because we seek to recognize our own emptiness and be filled with God's spirit. How do you recharge your batteries? Another way to empty ourselves. Fill your tank. Hang around people who help you recharge. Hang around people who make you feel good about yourself. Find those people in your life who energize you, who encourage you, who lift you up. Maybe you might stay away from some of those people who don't. And then, once you've recharged, empty yourself into someone else's life. Be a mentor for someone else. Challenge someone else. Encourage someone else. Those who are coming behind us. So, being filled helps us, our empty feeling, but being emptied fills us even more. It's another cycle. It's a much healthier cycle than more, better, or different. Much better. A cycle of being emptied and being filled. So what are some things we can do to deal with emptiness? Number one, don't overproduce. Maybe don't say yes to so many things. It's okay to use the word no. There are limits. There are boundaries to what we can do. Maybe we can steward our energy and be more efficient with our energy. Maybe we could rest or exercise. Maybe we could eat better. Or maybe we could recharge our lives daily by being around people who recharge us. And how do you fight for your family? Because that's important. At the end of the day, it's your relationships. Here, among each other, and in our relationships with our family. Those are the kind of things that help us fill our emptiness. But there is one thing that I know that if you're a Christian that helps fill your emptiness more than anything. One thing. One thing that makes you feel more full on the inside than ever when you do this one thing. Or as Curly said, it's just one thing. You know what it is? Let's see. I want to invite all the kids to come up here and help me for a second. Let's see if we can illustrate it for you. Y'all come right over here. Come on. Oh, come on. Everybody come help me. Not too long ago, a few weeks back, if you were in children's time with Amber, she told the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Does anybody remember that story? It's the story where Jesus took the bread and the fish and he fed 5,000 people. He took what he had and he gave it to somebody else. Yeah, remember that story? What is it called when we take what we have and give it to somebody else? What is it? Sharing. Sharing. Are you sure that's what it's called? Yes. Yeah, when we take what we have and we give to somebody else, do you know what that does? That fills our emptiness when we do what? What's the word? Share. Share. So I want y'all to help me. It's getting close to Trunk or Treat, right? Yeah. It's not far off. It's getting close to Close to your birthday, too. And so we want to share with everybody here if we have enough, okay? So here's how this works. I want you to take a piece of candy and go share with somebody. All right? Go share. Find somebody and share with them. Go share. There's still more raise your hand if you hadn't got one. There's lots of people. Take them everywhere. Take several. Share with everybody. Just take them. Just grab some and go share. If you don't have one, raise your hand. Here comes some more. There's some in the back. Sharing is caring.
0: Yeah, share with everybody?
1: Give me those in Share with everybody. Share with everybody. He's eating one back there. He's
0: <laughs> eating one. He's eating
1: one. If you have some left, you can eat your own. All right. I think they figured it out. Okay, if everybody will grab a seat, I'm going to say a prayer and then we're going to have communion. Somehow or another, the Redmond crew ended up with more than everybody else. <laughs> he, he's really good at sharing. <laughs> okay, let's pray. Let's pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this day. And Father, it's when we share with others that you fill our emptiness. We know that Christ died on the cross that we might have eternal life. Father, we give you Thanks that you come and fill our emptiness. And as we gather for communion, may that be a time where we experience the risen Savior in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.